0: Welcome to episode 118 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on this fine Sunday evening and joining me for the first time in, what, two, three weeks now? Oh, no, wait, almost a week, a week and a half, I forgot you came on the midweek emergency draft edition, so it's not been that long. Eric Cole, what's up, man?
1: Well, I'm good, man. I'm, you know, had my little midweek appearance and then, you know, but mostly let's let Matt say, say smart things, but I chimed in every once in a while. Uh, I'm good. Uh, just helped my in-laws move, and you know, got back from the, the bowels of South Georgia with my family. So, but I'm good to go. I'm ready to talk some baseball. You doing all right?
0: Yeah, I live in the dream. Uh, I was actually in the building on Saturday uh, evening or afternoon, whatever that qualifies as. What, what is the five ten start? Is that afternoon or evening? I don't really know.
1: Mm, I'd say it's evening, but I, I understand. I understand the confusion. If the game is... Uh, I, would, I would still call it an
0: evening one. i still call it an evening game. One. If the game's completely taking place in, in the light, I'm like, I almost want to say afternoon, but even cause even with the rain delay, it finished at like, what, 8.30? It was kind of a weird game. But anyway, it was a fun one. Uh, you know, Sean Nickham was great, but let's, let's start on Sunday. You know, the Braves are now, you know, they just rattled off a 5-1 and homestand. Not a big surprise based on the opponents that they played, but coming off of the 2-4 and four road trip to California, kind of just what the doctor ordered there, so... I mean, let's just start Sunday. Julio Tehran off the DL was unbelievable. Six innings, no-hit baseball, 11 strikeouts. Uh, Never had a chance at a no-hitter, which people were, I guess they're, I think people that were smart noticed that he didn't have a chance at that pretty early on, because straight off off the DL, he was never going to throw 120 pitches. That wasn't going to happen. Um, But, you know, he was very, very good, and kind of came out of nowhere, because right before he went on the DL, he was quite bad. So what do you make of Julio? I think that's a a difficult question to answer, and that's pretty obvious, but... Uh, I guess he was due for a good one, but not this good. So I I was definitely surprised.
1: So, there's things that I like. The uh, velocity was there. He was throwing lower 90s. So, I mean, like, and, and the pitches looked good. I actually didn't think the start was going to be that good, though, if I'm just being honest, because that first inning was really dicey.
0: It was not great. I will say that. Yeah, <laughs> he,
1: he, yeah, he had, I think he threw, like, 25 pitches or something along those lines, and it just, it seemed like he was really struggling. And then he struck out the last two batters, and we're like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's a good sign. But at the same time, it is the Padres, so you think, well, you know, maybe the, it, it might be an okay start, but you know he might not last that long. And then he went on this tear where he was just striking out everybody and just like they couldn't touch him. And I mean, he looked great up until the last inning. He, you know, he looked a little bit tired in the last inning, but that's I mean when you're up around 90 pitches and it's super hot and you're just coming off the DL. That's not weird. Um, overall, he just looked great. I mean, striking out 11 guys and kind of looking like the Tehran that we used to really like seeing not that long ago. So I don't, I don't know what to make of it just because he had so much rest. Uh, my my concerns with Tehran are more, you know, how well he's going to be able to hold up over a a long season, especially in terms of like you know his stuff holding up uh, and just staying healthy because he's already has two DL stints now, and you know you just kind of wonder what's going on. But overall, I'm very happy. I'd certainly prefer him to pitch well. That's supposed to not pitch well, but uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> like,
0: it goes without saying. I think um, one of the questions we got in the mailbag from Garrett Summers asked uh, basically, is the secret to Tulio Tehran having extra rest? Um, I wouldn't make it that easy, but it Certainly didn't seem to hurt him here. He looked fresh, uh, I will it? say. Uh, Bowman did report after the game that he was cramping with the hamstring in the sixth. Not that he wasn't going to come out anyway, necessarily, but 95 pitches, and I'm sure he was not in you know peak peak physical condition. Just because you know when you, when you don't when you when you're on a DL like that, you're not going to be like in tip top shape coming off. But you know he looked good, and the extra rest seemed to treat him well in this start. I would not go as far as to say that's the he to everything, but it's always nice to see.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and plus it was really hot, so you it know, there's no, to, there's no reason there's no reason just to to say, well, since he has no hit any, a no hitter going, you know, let's see what you can you know get out of his arm. I mean, just you know, just they, they did exactly what they should have done, take him out of the game, and unfortunately, the no hitter didn't work out, but you know, the Braves still did played really really well and it ended up being a win so overall I'm, I'm I'm happy with how everything's gone really recently this past week or so
0: yeah it's gone very very well uh last thing on tehran his er right now is 3.97 for the season which looks pretty solid i will say his peripherals indicate that's probably not sustainable he has a 218 babbitt allowed which is not going to continue uh he's walking more than four per nine which is not great for a guy with his stuff so my guard is up on Julio. If he pitches like he, like he did on Sunday, then obviously this is a different conversation. But in terms of overall takeaway, uh, this one start's not going to be enough to alleviate my concerns with Julio long-term. But he does have a longer leash than somebody like Brandon McCarthy, for instance, because Julio is A, under contract for a while, and B, someone who's been around for a while and has proven to be at a higher level at times. So you know, if he's throwing 87 miles an hour, he's not going to be able to to last but today what was he sitting low 90s maybe 92 Yeah
1: 92? I saw I saw I saw some 93s yeah That's so. fine he
0: can live there that's not that's not bad obviously for him
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely and you know you, you do wonder if maybe maybe not this pass injury, which was like well thumb contusion or something like that but the one before where he was like having some shoulder issues and things like that maybe this DL stint kind of helped him fully recover from that I know the peripherals haven't looked good but maybe like that extra risk kind of had the tangential benefit of helping with the previous injuries and maybe that that he can actually start pitching well again i'm not saying that's going to happen but like it's something i'm kind of keeping an eye on because i know the peripherals haven't looked good but if he can kind of knock all that you know all that rust off and kind of get past some of these injury things and start pitching better i'm not saying he's going to do what he did today like all the time but you know I, i think he's a better pitcher than what he has been so i'm not sure if it's a health thing or not and if it's a long-term health thing that's a bigger problem but if maybe you know getting past that minor injury giving him a little bit extra rest that might help too so
0: yeah we'll if see he's, if he's healthy i do think he is better than, than the peripherals suggest he is this year i'm not sure he's better than a 3.97 era because no, that's I don't a, think so. that's an acceptable that's, number <laughs> but yeah i mean the yeah. five you know his around not, five is around five which is ugly
1: and i'm not sure he's long-term healthy like you he, agree guy already has a thousand not, thousand innings on his arm uh, he came up really young, and you know he's kind of an undersized guy too. I mean, there's a lot of things that I like about Tehran, but there's a lot of things I don't that are kind of that were kind of fringy anyway. And when you start when you start piling, piling up the mileage and you start having some injury stuff, you just worry that you know what's his long-term viability. But you know, overall, very happy with the start today, and you know, hopefully that he's fully healthy because he I think he can help the rotation if he is.
0: For sure. Um, before we get some, to some big picture stuff with kind of where the Braves are uh, in the division and that kind of pecking order stuff, I should at least mention that the start that I got to see on Saturday in person um, with Sean Newcomb, who was awesome Ooh. again, um, 2.70 ERA for the season. Uh, and he's living in a world where he can live walk right walkwise, only, 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 I say only, only quotation marks, but four walks per nine, which is okay for him. Um, and he was awesome. You know, in the first inning, I got the same sort of thing as you today on Sunday was how I felt about Saturday's start with Newcomb. It was a little bit a little bit uneasy in the first inning, and then once that came to pass, I think he, I think he retired his last 13 batters. He looked pretty darn dominant again. It's the San Diego offense, so keep your right guard up a little bit. But you know, Newcomb's been absolutely tremendous. And of course, the only run of that entire game on Saturday was the Charlie Culberson experience uh, with a his I'm, first home run that, w- that wasn't a walk off or something like that. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, he had, had
1: like. Three straight, like his last three home runs before that were all walk off
0: home runs, which is um, incredible, honestly.
1: And, and then, and this one was still a game winner, just didn't happen in the bottom. Yeah, it was nine, in the so. it was in
0: the fifth, but that proved to be the only uh, only action. By the way, Culberson, as much crap as I've given him, and I think it's probably warranted in the grand in the grand scheme, he has all those huge hits this year and has a ninety four WRC plus on the season, so he's been almost a league average hitter. If he does that, then I will not make fun of him anymore, even if he has the career 59 WRC+, plus, which yep. continues. But he's, yep. been, he's been very good in this weird utility role. I think he's played too much in, the, in a vacuum just because of the Acuna injury, but um, he's been better than I ever would have been, imagined he would be.
1: Yeah, I'm a little surprised the Braves haven't given Preston Tucker more playing time. I understand that it's kind of a lefty-righty thing in some respects there. But, but that-
0: Culberson started against the righty this week, too, and I was like, why is he playing and not Tucker against the right-handed pitcher? I don't get that. You know
1: they they have their reasons, and I'm not, maybe I'm not one hundred percent certain what they are just in terms of that that versus playing Preston. But at the same time, it's working. Yeah, so he's been, he's been I, I, it's kind of hard to argue with the, It's kind of hard to argue with the results in in many respects. Uh, I do wish they could find more playing time for Preston Tucker uh, external from the Charlie Colpersonson consideration. but they're they're getting contributions from a lot of these guys that I don't necessarily understand why they're giving uh, consistent playing time. But I also understand. That there's a lot to consider, especially when you have guys injured. You know, it's possible maybe you know Preston's not quite right, or that they feel like they they want to maybe get get value out of Culberson while you have him, or you know things like that. I understand that those things exist, but at the same time, I'm pleasantly surprised that because I in a vacuum, I'm not sure if these are decisions that I would make or that they're even correct. But at the same time, they clearly have some information that they like uh, on these guys. So overall, it's, it's you know they've had to do a lot of ragtag sort of make things work with injuries uh, both in the rotation and in the field. And so far it's working out pretty well. So, you know, overall, not hard to complain really about much right now.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, I am I'm being shocked right now into not going into a rant about Friday night's bullpen management, but uh, I'm going to just oh, stay no, honest. No, I, I'm going to steer clear, I think. No, um, I'm not. So. I mean, only because, talking. let me just say this, you, you, everybody knows how I feel about this. I tweeted about it. And because they went five and one this week, I, it does feel silly for me to go on a 10-minute rant about Brian Snicker, but I, I will say the people that value results – I'm sorry, the, the value process over results uh, are having a hard time with the Brian Snicker experience this year because I think he's probably the NL Manager of the Year front-runner based on the way the award is usually handed out, which is usually given to a manager that has an overachieving team, uh, and that is what the Braves are at this point. So I think if the season ended today, he would win Manager of the Year and I would laugh for 20 minutes when it was announced, but I think that is probably what I will say about it, and then I will let you rant if you'd like to.
1: Okay, so I don't know if I necessarily have a rant, because here's my, here's, here's, <laughs> my, here's, my, here's my issue, right? The, the, the bullpen was managed exceedingly poorly, poorly in that game. Matchups weren't played at all. You had a long guy in the pen that you should be able to rely on, and you didn't run him out there for reasons I don't understand until the game became a blowout. Now, external from that, that, that that is a, that is a bet those were poor strategic decisions in my mind now maybe there was reasons why they didn't think gohara could go that many innings for whatever reason they did send gohara down today so maybe there was something going on where they didn't want to necessarily give him a bunch of innings because they were planning on that that could have happened but you know who they run Sam Freeman out against who they run run Peter Moylan out against doesn't seem to line up with any logical way of thinking that I can really understand right now that I can wrap my head around now that said there's two things that I consider. When I'm looking at managers, one that is very often trumpeted by those who support Brian Snicker, and that is that his ability to like manage personalities and deal with players. Leader right? of
0: men is the word. A
1: leader, leader of men is the phrase we have heard a lot. <laughs> I do not think that that is a non-zero consideration. I don't think. Agreed. I think that is a hard. That's a hard thing to quantify. And for those of us who want to be able to quantify and understand why someone is good for an organization. you know. Same thing with like a guy with being a good clubhouse guy. I think that players and people in organizations all agree that those are really good things. Yep. right? That I, do not, that, and I think that Snicker is very good at it, if for no other reason, that all of his players would run through a wall for him. And that, and that does matter. We have to say that, 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 that absolutely, absolutely matters. That absolutely matters, and he is very good at it. On the other hand, there is a strategic side to it, and what my issue is, and maybe I'm just wrong here, I just don't... I'm not even sure if it's really a strong net negative for Snicker, because I think that like ninety percent of the decisions he makes, every manager would make, right? Because that's just that's just kind of how baseball works. Yeah, like, I most, mean if
0: you're if you're employed as a big league manager, I, I mean you, maybe not ninety percent, but at least you know it's three quarters of your decisions are like could be made by any human in the dugout. Like, oh, like
1: yeah any, any human being who has any familiarity with well, yeah baseball. anybody who has
0: that job you have to assume can make eighty percent of the decisions. I'm with you on that. I just don't think that he adds
1: anything from a strategic point of view. Right. Yep, I totally so agree. Um, that said, I guess my, my overarching theme is yes, I agree with those who think that think that he is not the most like strategically strategic minded manager. And I don't necessarily disagree that, that he is a very good leader of men or whatever that means. Uh, but I w- I need, I can't evaluate that in a vacuum because ultimately it, what matters is who would replace him as an option. Right. Because I don't think there's like this plethora of really good managers out there that are not gainfully employed. I mean Joe Madden's not going anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean um, the,
0: the famous one that gets brought up, and I've, I've done this before is, is the Bud Black thing. He was available when they hired Snicker, and I think he would have been a better option. But it's I, I'm with you that it's not as if there are guys that we know. I will, I will say this that you and I, people outside of baseball circles know are better managers than Brian Snicker tactically. I do think these people exist in the world and my, one of my issues is that the people that really like Brian Snicker want to you know, rightly trumpet all of the things that we, that you just said, all of the off-field considerations. My thing is you can have both. You're allowed yeah. to be good at both things <laughs> and he's not yeah, good at it, both things. That's, I, that's I my think thing.
1: it, it certainly seems lazy to suggest that because the Braves have a good record and his players like him means – that Brian Snicker is the best person for the job. Now that said, he is certainly not the worst person for the job. No, because that is true. Because there are there are managers employed in the league right now that manage their teams into the ground. Shouts to Mike Matheny. Yeah, he is awful. Yes. But um now I would not necessarily put Gabe Kapler in that. I think that he's I think he has too many tools, and he likes to play with things he too much. He had a
0: really rough opening week, and has been just fine since then. Yeah,
1: he, basically. but he, but he, at least he's using information and trying to make strategic decisions. Yeah. Right? Those won't always work out, and that first week was pretty brutal. But that was his first week. That was his first week. You know what I mean? Like that's going to happen. Um, it's kind of painful to watch in a lot of ways, but at the same time, like he's trying to gain an edge with the decisions that he makes. It does not necessarily seem like all the information that would be available to Snitker has led to strong strategic decisions being made. Um, and, you know, all the double switches and bullpen management and stuff, the, all that aside. Now, that said, I do overall, I don't think he's done a bad job as a manager. I just don't think he's giving them an edge. Uh, how that much that matters to folks out there or even manages, matters to the Braves organization or to the team. That remains to be seen. I just want to get as many competitive edges as I can if I'm the guy making that decision.
0: That's yeah, that's... It. That's well said, and I, I do. I don't want to do too much on that. Let's just move on. I think uh, in a second. I just because they went five and one this week, I don't want to do too much negative. And it's just for me. I try not to do this every week, even though I usually have at least one or two things that I circle in my brain. Like that was really stupid, Brian. Um, but Friday night was just so excruciating, and it cost them a win. I mean, and that, I mean, it's not not necessarily the case where they absolutely would have won. I, I, I will be the first person to say that, but. When, you're, when you go from winning to losing in that fashion, uh, in the middle of decisions that are being... And it wasn't like people were second-guessing. People were first-guessing these decisions, including me. Like, when you have Sam Freeman face right-handed, right-handed batters, three right-hand batters in a row in a high leverage situation, and then you pull him from Peter Moellan against a left-hander, I, I don't know how that can be justified. Uh, so, you know, they went 5-1 this week. I don't want to do too much on it, but that's the reason why I even brought it up, was because Friday was so bad. Um, And I will say, if that had worked, quote unquote, if Sam Freeman had retired the side and they won that game, I would have, in my brain, I would have blamed Brian Sticker for for doing a stupid thing, but we probably wouldn't be talking about it. So, it's one of those things where, like, plenty of things he has done wrong this year have worked out. Yeah. And by done wrong, I mean statistically. Like, doesn't mean, and by the way, doing the wrong thing doesn't always come back to bite you. It's baseball. Like... These decisions are very, very fine and, tooth. Like you and can't just do
1: that. The, the, like especially the managerial decisions are very like there's like they're small margins most of the time. Yeah, it's 50, like they're 40, like it's like decisions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And more importantly, like there is information we're not available to, right? Like maybe a guy is not feeling well. You know, like there's there's reasons why you wouldn't play a guy or not play a guy. Oh yeah. So I mean that that, that that's worth putting out there. So I mean like and I I don't want to say that I'm like I'm crapping all over Snitker because ultimately I mean. You don't get to where the Braves are right now if you have an awful manager. It will not happen. If your legit manager is legitimately bad. Yeah. Like bad, bad. That it wouldn't happen.
0: The last just, time the last time we talked about Snicker extensively was when there was the bullpen debacle with uh, Winkler and Viscaino being unavailable and then just kind of imploding in that game. I can't remember. That was a couple weeks ago now. And we found out after the game that they were unavailable. Now I don't know why they were unavailable, and he didn't really give a good explanation for that, but it's that's one of those times that where you're reminded that, I mean, we, got, we all kind of said in the moment, like, these guys better be unavailable, or what are we doing here? And they were unavailable, so it gave him a little bit of cover there. So, again, that speaks to, we can't know everything, and you know, people that get mad at you and me and other people on Twitter um, for making these criticisms always point out that, well, you guys can't possibly know. I'm like, well, I understand that. And if, if anybody says... That they know every, all the information, then they're wrong. Like you and I are exactly. acknowledging right now, we we're never gonna have all the all the information. With that said, you know, with the, you, you can with see the information we have, with the information you have, like there are decisions that are just bad by the math. Like Sam Freeman facing right-handed batters is bad by the math. Like almost in every single circumstance, especially uh, I can't remember which one of the right-handed batters in that in that circumstance. Oh, it was Hunter Renfro has huge platoon splits. And it was like, oh, cool. Sam Freeman's your worst reliever, probably, if not worse, one of your two worst relievers, and he's facing a right-hander and with the game on the line. That's not a good idea. Um, anyway, let's move along. Let's move along here. <laughs> We've done too much on this. Uh, I promised I wouldn't rant, and I did it anyway. Uh, okay. More on a more positive note. Let's do that. Uh, the Braves are now up three and a half games on the Nats, which is, uh, I believe, the it's season the high. It's the middle
1: number? of June. Yeah, it's Brad. A season
0: high number. It's the middle of June. That's crazy. Uh, this is just one. Projection system, uh, I've been the guy who's, you know, sort of assigned myself slash been assigned by Chris to um, monitor all the projection systems on behalf of Talking Chop. This is just one of them because it updates in real time, but as of Sunday evening, 538's projection model has the Braves finishing 89-73, and 73, and it has them with a 60% chance to make the playoffs and a 37% chance to win the division. Those are all season-high numbers. Uh, and basically across the board, all of the systems are now higher on the Braves than they've ever been. That makes sense considering their record. But, um, I mean, it's, as you mentioned, it's the middle of June. It's June 17th. They have the day off tomorrow on Monday. Uh, it's, you know, obviously time to get excited to a certain extent. We've been excited for a while, I think, at least relative to expectations. But um, it's getting later and later, and I feel like we can say, we can say that every, every single week. But after five and one, it's natural to be a little bit ha- a little bit happier than last week when when they went two and four uh, before the podcast. But where are you at with sort of like your barometer of how good this team is slash will stay? Because that's the big question.
1: I think that this team is going to be competing for the division title until the end. I am not going to pretend that the Washington Nationals don't exist because that team's a good baseball team, and they've had a lot of things go wrong for them yeah they're they're
0: better they're better on paper and that's people always ask me why you know, why the projection systems keep the Nationals ahead of the Braves so far, and it's like well they're they have a better team on paper like on for, paper for they
1: do. I, I mean we're kind of relying on Bryce Harper to like have a particularly poor year, which is a con- contract year for him and injuries and, and all this kind I of I mean stuff. like they, they've had a lot of injuries sure. I mean. At the same time, like they're kind of—I mean, basically, what they have to hope is that Max Scherzer is like an all-time, let's like an all-time great performance for them to stay in this. <laughs> Which he has I mean, been. Now, been. oddly enough, he's been doing that. Yeah. But you know, it's tough because what do you I mean? We know what those players are over on the Nationals. You know what I mean? Like Anthony Rendon, Bryce Harper, Daniel Murphy—all those guys are really, really good baseball players. And you know, so in a lot of respects, they've underperformed across the board, but they're still right there. Pretending like they're not going to go on another run, or that they're, you know, they won't give a brave, the Braves a tough series or two down the line. I mean, that that's going to happen. You know what I mean? Uh, but the Phillies have faded, which kind of makes me feel better because one, I mean, the Braves don't have to play them again for a while. But you know, ha- not having that third team to kind of continually sneak up and be make, be another team that could possibly pass you uh, if you have like a, sl- a slightly rough stint. That, that makes me feel better about it because ultimately I always thought the Nationals were going to be around. I was just always skeptical about whether or not the Phillies and their offense was going to be able to, to keep up. And it doesn't look like – for right now anyway, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to. I feel, I'm, I feel very good about their – at the very least being a legitimate competitor for a playoff spot. Um, there's so many things that can happen over the rest of the season that I'm not willing to say get too excited beyond that other than that they're going to be in this race for the year. I really Unless something like catastrophic injury-wise happens. Because the way I look at it is, they went two and four on the West Coast road trip, which is nothing new, and they didn't really lose ground in the race. Then they gain a bunch of ground in this homestand. Let's we'll switch them at three and a half games up, and this team just get is going to get better because Ronald Acuna is coming back, so we don't have like these weird lineups like we had in the, the lineup today. Uh, at some point, there's gonna I, there's gonna have to be something that's gonna be happen at third base. I don't know. It's gonna end up being a trade or Austin Riley gets healthy and they end up bringing him up. I just think that the team they're there's a lot of things that are not really going right for the Braves, but they're making it work because Freddie Freeman is the best player in the national league right now. The, the rotation's pitching really well and they're getting timely hitting when they need it. Uh, and that contrasts to the first month and a half of the season where the rotation was only okay, but everyone in the lineup was hitting 400. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're finding lots of different ways to win when not everything's going right. And they're going to get healthy again. They're going to get more help and they're going to be competing with a general manager that's known to make moves to fortify a, a lineup in a playoff run, I I just feel like that the if it, if something bad was going to happen and they were going to drop off in the race, it would have happened already.
0: Yeah, I guess that's I, how. I, no, I I'm with you. I think you know I I my mo is to be skeptical and sort of a centrist in this kind of way. Like when the when the team was awful, I was usually a little bit higher, and when the team was supposed to be good, I was usually a little bit lower. It's just kind of my brain, and um, that's just how I am. But and even a couple of weeks ago, maybe three, four weeks ago, I was definitely still saying, you know, you know, gun to my head. I say, I think this team wins, you know, 82 games, something like that. I think right now I'm not going to predict, predict that, they, that they win the National League East because I think again, Washington is better, but if they win the East, it will no longer surprise me, which is a big step for me to say like that, you know, even two, three weeks ago, I would not have said that. It would have still been a surprise to me. Now it might be 60, 40. It might be 70, 30, but um, I think the Braves can win the East. And I think they are absolutely going to be in this thing until September. Um, that's crazy, considering where we were in March, but here we are. Um, and we, I guess we should we should we should we should at least transition. I have we got a couple of questions. We're going to save these for the end, but let's just do it now about trade deadline stuff. People asking about the bullpen as a potential target area because of the fact that. Um, you know, outside of the you know big three or four in the bullpen, there there are some issues as we talked about before with Sam Freeman and Peter Moreland and a couple other spots. Also, you know, hypothetical stuff on at third base on Twitter about you know there was one deal making the rounds that was uh, this is absolutely fake. It was a it was a hypothetical, but it was uh, I think it was Christian Pache for Manny Machado, straight up who, who says no kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and then there was another one, a couple another couple about Jacob Degrom um, because obviously the Mets are not. Playing well, uh, it's tough to it's tough to talk about Jacob Degrom because uh, he's like, he's on the Mets and the Mets are not going to want to trade with the Braves. But uh, there's all these fake trades and kind of stuff like that. I still think third base is the most important spot, as you mentioned, because. You know, all, all due respect to, you, to Johan Camargo, I think he's still best served in a utility role. Uh, he played second base today, for instance, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but I mean, where are you at with the urgency level? I guess just philosophically, um, how much are you willing to go? You know, quote in on this season. I think no one, no one is ever saying that we should go all in when it comes to two thousand and eighteen because this is still a team geared for the future more than the present. But, like, what's the calculus for you now versus maybe a month ago even on potentially adding to this team, uh, even if it's a rental? Because, you know, for instance, a guy guy like Machado is probably just going to be a rental um, wherever he he goes as he wants to get to free agency. Uh, Not just that guy, but, you know, just the concept of adding a short-term piece for this year, knowing now that they're kind of close.
1: So, uh, I think that the only time you go all in and that's like you you take all of your assets for the (laughs) future, assets for the future, and you know betting on this year you only do that if your window's closing right like you're just like well this is this has i mean we're going to have to rebuild at some if we're going to have to rebuild we're going to go out with if, a bank. if you're right?
0: the royals from 2 years ago basically
1: exactly you know like there's teams that exist in that like i mean the nationals for example right like they're like at some point they're going to lose all these guys and you know then that that then they'll have to start back again i mean they they have some young talent coming so maybe that 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 calculus is a little weird but at the same time I think that they, if they're not making calls on the relievers that are on the market, because that is a, a market that seems particularly strong in terms of the talent level on the trade market, I would be if they're not making those calls, then they're doing it wrong. Because I mean, between the Padres, like they have Brad Hand, there's Kelvin Herrera, there's a, Zach Britton's. You know, assuming the, the Orioles do anything remotely logical and actually start trading people, you know, like there's there's there're like legitimate arms out there for the bullpen that you that the Braves could bring in, and they have the prospects to do it. Third base is trickier for me because yes. well, because the market has Manny Machado, who I don't think wants to play third base, and whether or not that means if you trade for him and he doesn't, maybe he's not super happy being at third base, or and you would have to give up a big haul to get him because the Orioles don't seem you know willing to take anything re- anything resembling a reasonable rate for a rental, you know. Then you have Mike Moustakis, who seems like a great fit, but then you kind of look at the numbers and realize that he hasn't really been hitting since like the middle of May.
0: Yeah, and let's let's talk about him r- real quick. There was a, a big conversation over the weekend about, actually, I think it was started by our by TC's own Sam Meredith. I think he was sort of the person that was parodying this the most uh, about how, about the fact that Johan Camargo isn't any worse than Mike Mustakis. Basically, was the, was the discussion? I will say I would definitely rather have Mike Mustakis than Johan Camargo. As a full time third baseman, but you could probably make an argument that the gap is not huge. I think if you're going after Mustakis. And, what,
1: and, what, and whether or not the cost is worth it. Well,
0: that, that's, right. I was about to say, that's, that's the thing for me is like, you know, Mustakis is much different than a guy like Machado, obviously, because you know Machado is. He's an awesome player. Mustakis is a marginal upgrade, but it also has, you know, even if you acknowledge that he isn't, you know, quote, quote unquote, that much better, end quote, than Johan Camargo it has an impact down the roster because that means Camargo is in the role that is now Ryan Flaherty, who is bad. Um, so that, that also matters. And it's all about cost, as you mentioned. Like if, you, if the cost is pretty low on which I think it's going to be, because he's not under control for next year. Like he's not, and because he's not playing all that well, the cost probably won't be off the chart. So you're kind of doing a little, bit, a little bit of projection in some ways. But I think that's a guy who would make a lot of sense especially if you believe in Austin Riley, is that you, you probably want to go out and get a, a, a more stop-gappy type, but knowing full well that he's still a massive upgrade on Ryan Flaherty. Because that, that's the roster spot you're taking. It's not Johan yeah. Camargo's roster spot. Camargo goes back to the super utility role, and you're, and you're knocking off Flaherty, or you're knocking off, well, probably, not, probably not Culberson now, but I would have said Culberson three weeks ago. That kind of guy is what you're, is what you're knocking off. And that, is a, that matters, because right now the bench is kind of bad. I, I I will say that with comp. I mean, Preston Tucker is obviously cooled off quite a bit. Backup catcher is awesome versus the rest of the league, but every other spot well, is not good. Oh,
1: hopefully, hopefully we we'll make sure Suzuki doesn't miss, miss time. Well, but.
0: yeah, I mean, he he, probably, he might miss a little bit of time, but I think you know the, the reporting after the game was basically that it wasn't serious. He, he he left the game Sunday. For people that missed this, he left the game Sunday. Um, it looked pretty bad, but his quotes afterwards and the Mark Bowman report that I read it makes it seem like he's pretty much avoiding anything serious. Like there might be a ten day DL stint, maybe. But it's not going to be anything beyond that. It looks like so. You know, fingers crossed. That's a good point. But uh, my overarching point was that the bench is not good outside of whichever backup catcher you want to put on that list. Um, every other spot, I think, could use some upgrading. Frankly, um, yeah. on, on, on a playoff team, because that's what this. If you're treating this like a playoff and, and, team, and, and you know, Camargo,
1: I, I, you and I have talked about him talk, even up until last year. Is like he's kind of the guy that we hope Jace Peterson would be, which is like a super utility which is guy. What I still think you he can. Is. <laughs> you can. You can play him anywhere you can and he doesn't embarrass at the plate he doesn't i don't think he's necessarily going to be a great hitter as like a good enough hitter to be an everyday guy but you know he's been drawing walks he's been coming up with big hits he's a guy that when he pinch hits i'm not going to like close my eyes and just hope for the best like he like good things happen no he's I, been I, he's I, been I,
0: very very solid
1: yeah, and I, I like him on the team. I think he deserves a spot on this roster, and he's a he's the kind of guy that you want on a, a team that can make a run in the playoffs. Because you know, again, you know, when Dansby needs a day off, when Ozzy needs a day off, when whoever's playing third base needs a day off, you can run him out there. He will play good defense. He's a strong arm. He made a great play the other night. That, that double play is still like I still watch it every once in a while, but. He, you know, he the guy can play. I just don't think he's necessarily an everyday player. And I, I like him a lot. I agree with you. Like, you know, a guy with my Moussakas, I like a guy like an Eduardo Escobar too from the Twins, who's having a really good year. Uh, I don't know if the Twins are going to try to sell super high on him or something like that. But he's having a really good year, and you can kind maybe catch a guy that's hot who's also going to be not under team control after this year too. Might not cost a lot, but he might end up being an upgrade too. It's like uh, there's a couple guys that interest me. Uh, for that third base spot. But I, I'm just not sure if Machado or like a guy like that would necessarily be the answer. Yeah, because I mean... are they're, they're going to try to get like multiple top 100 prospects. Which and is they
0: should. The Orioles have to try to get a haul from Machado. What you don't want to get into is a bidding war. I don't think you're going to win a bidding. I mean, you could win one if they wanted to. The Braves have a ton of assets. But I don't think it's necessarily prescient to do that right now with where they are. But I think they should be looking for an upgrade at third base. And even if it's a small one... I think it's worth exploring you know you know everything's based on cost we have to say that um like i actually think i would do the christian Pache for Manny machado trade that was fake um i think you probably wouldn't knowing you but maybe i'm wrong uh,
1: probably. I probably wouldn't, but that's more just my. I don't like paying premium
0: prospects for rentals.
1: Yeah, and like, that's, it's, not, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not a question of like trading good because pro- like you're gonna have to trade good prospects to get good players. Like I'm not. And I'm not that my, way about it. Yeah, my,
0: my thing is it's probably gonna take you more than that in a real world scenario. If you're the Orioles, you're not doing that. I don't think. And the Braves might not either. So that that that, that tells you what it's gonna cost. And I do think it's reasonable to say. Machado for three months is going to cost more than the Braves are wanting to pay, and that, that's probably going to be the, the the end result of this, in my opinion, is that they just don't want to even fool with that because Baltimore, if Baltimore's smart, they're going to ask for the moon, and they should. I'm,
1: I mean, and it sounds like they are. Uh, they they probably should have traded him before you know the trade deadline oh, this yes. year. They, they could they could have, have gotten an while. actual king's <laughs> ransom if they had done that. Yes. But you know nothing. Peter Angelos and that crew does makes any sense. They don't no, participate. the they don't. They don't participate in the international free market. They signed Chris Davis to these large extensions, and now he's like putting up one of the worst seasons in like baseball history. I mean, it's it's yeah. It's, there's nothing going well over there. So it's, it's kind of hard to tell what's really going through their heads at any given moment.
0: Yeah, they're a mess in Baltimore. But yeah, okay. I always wanted to at least say that, and I do think bullpen is a spot that makes a ton of sense. Only because and there's a lot and there's a
1: lot of options. Too. There's and
0: options, and they don't cost as much as position players. They just don't. Like nope. you could probably get a a quality bullpen option for and the Braves system, like a top thirty kind of prospect, one, Yeah. like that kind of stuff is what they should be doing. Because I, I understand the Braves have some good relievers on this team right now. You know, Winkler, Bisaccia,ino, Mentor uh, are guys that you are comfortable with. But if you get to the playoffs, you need more than those three guys. So, so there you
1: go. I get I I, I do that and I. I do. I do want to say this before. I know there's. We have a bunch of stuff we want to get to, but yeah. I don't think that the Braves are necessarily managing their 40-man roster particularly well right now. The the Gwinnett shuffle has not been kind. Oh uh, no, it's been a mess. Uh, and like, and I think it, they have Evan Phillips like throw in like, legitimately great relief appearances down in Gwinnett right now, and like they're still calling up the Luke Jacksons and the Miguel Sokolovic's. and so. At some point, you have to give a guy like that a shot at the bullpen as opposed to just like kind of keep. Calling up Lucas Sims all the time, and well, like, it's just I just I just I understand that they're trying to keep guys in the forty man, but you have to make a decision about whether or not you actually want a reliever on your bu- relievers in your bullpen or not, and not just like throwing random warm bodies in there because when the game the the games the Braves are losing are like games where you know the occasional dud by the rotation, but more often than not it's like these weird games that are close, and then the bullpens end up blowing, and a lot of it's these guys that they keep running out there in like in suboptimal situations when they have better options available in the organization. Yeah. And I just, I just don't think, I just don't think it's been managed particularly well. That's just me.
0: I totally agree. And that's actually a good bridge to, let's talk about, let's talk about Luis Gohara for a minute, because I ranted about this a few days ago. Um, they're just handling him very poorly slash weird. In my opinion, now he's been sent down and presumably looks to be setting up as a starter, which is what should have happened all along. But like he was in this mop up role for reasons. And I don't know why. Like, if you have him on the team, you know, he, I know he didn't perform necessarily all that well in a relief role, but if you're going to have him on the team, you should have him in a role where he's, you know, asked to do something and not just end games when you're getting killed, um, for instance. And I, I just think he's so talented that why is he not starting? I mean, it's, I feel like it's, it's it seems pretty simple. And again, they have more information than we do on this, but like they're treating him like he's Lucas Sims. and. He's not. Look, he's not with the Sims. That's the simplest way to put it. Like Luis Gahara is a legitimate big-time prospect, and they're doing this like hybrid, weird sending back and forth. I know he had the. I know he had some travel stuff that he had to do that was in, in the family stuff, which is unfortunate, and that might be the cause of some of this weirdness. But he's a guy who's a premium asset who's being treated like he's not, and I don't get that.
1: I will say this: I know for a fact that uh, especially with all the stuff with his mom, me uh, having real health issues, and obviously his family's in Brazil, which kind of complicates matters. When all of that was happening, like right before he was kind of coming off the DL uh, and like, you know, his mom was being was really sick and he was having he was like in Gwinnett struggling before he got called up. We were all kind of confused by that. He was not it was a very tough thing mentally for him. And he was dealing with a lot of issues as a result of all that. You have to wonder if maybe the Braves are hesitant to put him in anything more high leverage than that, given he's had like. Just had issues mentally. Well, then send him Gw-
0: to Gwinnett, Eric. That's my whole thing. Why is he in Atlanta?
1: <laughs> oh no, that, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, but that 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 is, if you why call him up if that's the case if you're yes. not going to use him the way. But I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, in terms of sending him down now, uh, I think that's ultimately the correct decision, and I I hope that they just let him start, let him work anything out. Don't call him back up. Put guys who are going to be your relievers. Put them in the bullpen. Leo, you know, call up an Evan Phillips or acquire whoever you need to acquire um you know but ultimately let gohara start he's going to be, if you if you if you if they don't let him start regularly or they keep doing this to him that means that they truly think that i i i honestly think that that means that he, they don't think he's going to be a starter which is insane you have to let him yeah, try it. yeah i i agree and i i think that ultimately that they've made they've they finally stumbled into the correct decision uh but i'm with you i i, I wasn't a big fan of how all that was handled uh, I like, like there was, a, and there was a lot of weird stuff with this whole call up. Like they had to drive him down to Florida because, like, there was so much going on with all this travel stuff. Like he, like, couldn't they? they didn't have a form of ID, so he couldn't get him on a plane. Like it were, was just like it was a mess. So
0: the whole thing is a mess, and it's it shades of Max Freed from last year, which which we talked about on the podcast and were frustrated by. And Gohar is a better prospect than Freed ever was, so that is even more frustrating um, as a result of that but uh let's just leave that there for now uh quickly Ronald acuna update time no real takeaways here but he's going to be going to orlando and then having a rehab assignment after that so that the braves are being very careful with him he thinks he can play like tomorrow if they asked him to but they're not going to do that uh which is okay i have i understand this is like very very careful but with uh with your best prospect i'm okay with that
1: a knee and especially when it's like a knee where you know like any amount of soreness could mean that you know, it's not healed and that like, he could really hurt himself. Just take uh, I'm, I'm, I'm told, uh, I think that he'll like, go to Orlando for a day or two, he'll play in a Firefrogs game, and then he'll probably be up. Maybe like, like it's, the
0: weekend-ish? Yeah. Somewhere yeah
1: there. Or, or maybe even before that. It just kind of depends on how the off days work. And yeah, I mean, they had, how all, this, and,
0: this is a weird week where the Braves don't play Monday or Thursday, so it's a five-gamer. Um, so yeah, I, I think it probably will be Friday because of that. Like there's no game Thursday. Yeah, there's maybe.
1: yeah, there's just not. They they, they, they couldn't bring up Thursday. It wouldn't matter anyway. But yeah, yeah so
0: I think and, you know people. I saw people that were worried about this, not necessarily worried, but kind of like, why isn't he up sooner if he's okay to play? Like he doesn't need a re- rehab assignment. Like, well, if this is a veteran guy, maybe you wouldn't send him on a rehab assignment based on how long he's been out. But you don't need to rush him along. That's, that's nope. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, the Bra- the Braves are playing well playing well right now. You want to make sure he's completely healthy. Uh, but he was like – he was in drills before games and like he was running – he looked like he was running full out and was still incredibly fast. Didn't look like he was limping around <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. I'm so, not worried about I'm not worried about No, I'm not, I'm not. He's – I think he's healthy and I think that they're just – they're just being careful with him and I, I don't have any problems with him. It's a short version of the story. I'm I'm fine with it. Yep. I just want to see him play because he's, he's – he is right up the alley of this team of like doing really exciting things and being really fun to watch. Um, and I, I, I just want him on the field, other than the fact that he's also an incredibly talented player and is going to be really good, I think.
0: Wait, do you like Ronald Acuna? Uh, I, you
1: know, I, there's a rumor going around that I ha- I do, in fact, like him, and uh, i Wait, to hold complete. on. I
0: have to ask you this question on the podcast. It, it just came to me. If you only get to keep one, Ronald Acuna or Mike Soroka? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> This is great. Oh, God. You're the only one on the planet that wouldn't have already answered this, by the way.
1: Oh, it's Acuna, but it hurts. Okay. It hurts, I just want to make sure
0: you said the right answer. I'm just making sure. Oh, it hurts. That's all. Okay, let's move on. Oh, uh, it hurts. Real quickly, two quick hitting things. Ozzy always had the day off on Sunday. Uh, he probably needed it, frankly. Uh, he's His OBP is now sub 300. He does have a sort of hilariously low BABIP at 255. For somebody as fast as him, that's kind of crazy. But, you know, the power is high. That's about it, though. Like, are you worried about all about his approach more than anything? Because I think he's just... His profile like if you didn't if you didn't know he was fast and you look at his friend page you would think he was like Chris Davis like he has this very very strange batted ball profile right now for someone who is uh, his size. It,
1: it's a strange batted ball profile. I'd be more concerned if the strikeout rate I mean, but the strikeout rate is like, yeah, it's 17, not so 18, That's true. like 17 18% or something like that. I mean, he's just getting really unlucky on balls in play. You know, what I mean like every grounder he gets finds a guy. It seems like every time. Um and you know, he
0: do you make anything of the notion, like, I've seen people float this, like, that he's trying, like, you know, he's has too much of a power swing for his makeup right now. I don't necessarily, I'm not enough of an expert to know that, honestly, but there that is sort of out there that, like, Ozzy is taking the quote-unquote wrong approach. I don't necessarily agree with that. And by the way, even with the comically low OBP and BABIP, his, w, his WRC Plus is still 109, which is a plus player, um, especially with his speed and defense. But I mean, is that does it concern you I, at all think, that he's doing this? I mean, I think he, I think
1: he is pressing a bit. You know what I mean? Like it's like he, he, once you start struggling, you start really trying to make as much damage happen as possible, and he's still he's still hitting the occasional home run, and you know, that, which is hilarious that he has sixteen home runs given you know who we thought he was as a player. But sixteen I, I think home that,
0: runs on June seventeenth is it's absolutely unbelievable for Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
1: it's crazy. But I think that I think that some of that's the approach stuff has to do with like, he just wants to contribute. I mean, and he hasn't been able to do that in the other ways, uh, but he has been able to do this. So it kind of like turns into the self-fulfilling thing. I think the extra, the day off will do him well, the extra days off in the middle of the week are going to do him well too. If if he can just start stringing together some games, you know, has a couple, like just a couple two for four games, you know what I mean? Where he's just doing damage other than like, you know, hitting an occasional long ball. Uh, I I think he's going to be fine. It's just, it's kind of one of those things where he's gotten pretty unlucky on balls in play. And that kind of turns into some weird approach things. Uh, And he's getting pitched to like a power hit, like a power hitter is pitched to, you know, like all these like high fastballs and, you know, they're they're, they're treating him with respect and he's trying to make things happen. But I think that once he kind of gets back to what makes him such a good hitter and the fact that he has like really good control for the the barrel of the bat, I think it ends up working itself out, but it is kind of funny that. Of all the people on this team that has a 250 Babip, I would have never guessed it would have been Ozzy. No, uh, and it, as it turns out, I mean, but you're right, it is, and it's just, it's kind of wild. Uh, I do wish he would draw, he would draw some more walks, though. I do say that. That is, that, that, that's my one thing that I think that he has control over, and that is just, you know, laying off those high pitches.
0: I was going to say that, and that uh, there have been the calls for him not to hit leadoff, I, which I totally understand, because you do not want a guy with a 300 Babip hitting, I mean, 300 OBP hitting leadoff. Um, he's got to take walks. That's one thing. Like I, I think his Babbitt's going to come back, and he's going to have a higher batting average than he has now. But for him, if they think he's going to be a leadoff guy moving forward, which I don't necessarily think, but if if the Braves want him there, if Snicker wants him there, he's got to take walks. He just does. Yeah,
1: like, I mean, like his entire career in the minors, like he was a guy that drew walks and like, he got on base, and it's just I, I I just think that for these first couple months of the season that you know, he struggled to start the year. Like just couldn't, nothing seemed to go where it was supposed to go. Then he started hitting home runs and was doing really well. And now he's pressing again because he's been struggling a bit and it's just kind of turned into this kind of weird year that he's had. It's still a good year, but you know, I think that overall he'll end up being closer to what we think he is. Uh, maybe less power numbers, but he ends up doing a lot of the other things that we want him to do. So it ends up working out.
0: Yep. Uh, I'm with you, uh, 100% on that. And Ozzy's still good at baseball. So I'm not Overly worried. Uh, last quick hitter, Mike Davis is on the DL, which is yep. not what you want to see for the guy who's been your best pitcher this season. But uh, are you worried, or is this a weird DL manipulation situation? Because there have some some rumblings that he's not all that injured, for instance.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, they, considering that they've already basically said that he's going to be starting, like yes. he's basically missing one start. Like I think that there's a little bit of you know roster manipulation happening there, and it kind of makes sense. A little bit of creativity
0: from uh, yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, a little bit of you know. Yeah, you take take a day. You know, it kind of it kind of works out in this regard because I don't think they really know what to do with this rotation. Uh, I don't think that. I mean, McCarthy's the obvious one to kind of remove from the rotation, but I don't know if they necessarily. That's something that they want to do very highly, like very much. I think they would prefer him kind of continue to be able to pitch until maybe they can take someone to take
0: him. Yeah, uh-huh. they don't. They'd love to trade him. They're not. They don't. They don't want to DFA Brandon McCarthy. Which, yeah, that, and, and by the way, they're gonna put him, they're gonna put him in the bullpen if he's healthy they're not going to just DFA him i don't think
1: they'll he'll stay on the roster which i mean which make, whether it, he him and the bullpen's guy have an interesting profile but
0: yeah i mean as a long man you know regardless you you, you don't you don't cut that guy he's not been as bad as people oh. would say that he is like he's not a great major league starter by any means and there's been some moments where he's looked pretty bad but i don't think he is, I mean, he's better than Lucas Sims or whoever. I mean, if you, or Matt Whistler. Or if you want, if you want to have the the long reliever random guy, he would be better than those guys at the very minimum. Obviously.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, it's a good problem to have. The Braves have a lot of pitchers. Well, and, and I it, think as, as, it, as it turns out, as it turns out, the rotation's turning into a strength on this team.
0: I'm going to say a controversial statement. I think Anibal Sanchez is not going to have like a sub two ERA. I'm sorry, but you know what? just ride. Right?
1: Just ride the heaters while we have them, Brad. First of oh, no, like, I all, mean, Ryan Flaherty was leading the league in hitting. We all knew it wasn't going to last. I still
0: enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, it was funny in a lot of ways, but you know, I know. I'm just, and all, all due respect to Anvil Sanchez, who actually has been pretty decent in his past. Yeah, it, not not yeah. not recently, but in his past, he's been pretty decent. But keep pitching him until he, till he's bad. If he has a bad starter or two, then you got to take him out of there. But as long as he's doing this, you got to keep pitching him. I, I get that.
1: And it it does, it does it also it passes the eye test like he's been pitching well like he, no he has lo- he's locating his pitches really well um, that's that's kind of the thing if he stops doing that then you know he he'll give up a lot of home runs you'll that's know right he'll away
0: do. if he's done yeah
1: he'll <laughs> yeah, it'll be two innings four home runs later and like well okay yeah, well.
0: it's gonna be I don't want to do too much on the rotation because we just do that every week I feel like right now but uh, it's a it's not a it's not a problem to have too many guys we'll just say that and Foltz will be back soon if he was really injured I would worry but. You know, he of the two point what one six ERA, All Star level pitcher. I'm not worried until he's actually hurt, and I don't think he actually is. So
1: we'll keep an do, eye do, on do, that. Do, do you, Go ahead. Do you first? First, do you think that both Fulte and Nukem will make the All Star team?
0: I think Fulte is a lock right now, um, barring something weird happening. Uh, Nukem could miss it, but I think he also could make it. He's sort of the one that's on the line. I think Fulte is, you know, bar again, barring some sort of implosion in his next start or two. He's in. Um, Newcomb I, I really,
1: I really, really wish that Nukem had, hadn't had like his last start was obviously great, but the one before that where it was rough. I really wish he hadn't had that one because I think the, honestly both of them would have deserved to make it. Now I mean, it's a little dicier. And because, I do
0: think like if you are someone who wants Dan Winkler to make it, you can't. I, I think there's no chance the Braves get Nukem and Winkler. Um, I, I, I think you know Nukem's more valuable. There's obviously no deb- no debate about that. Winkler would be a good story. He's been awesome. Um, but middle relievers, usually that kind of guy is reserved for someone who just needs an all-star. Like if this, the Padres needed Brad Hand, for instance, like somebody like that. Um, I think, I don't know. If the season ended, to, I mean, if the, if the voting ended today, I would probably tell you that Newcomb sneaks in, but it would be close. Yeah, I can agree with that. The baseball all-star game is so interesting. And let's, and let's transition there now because we talked about the voting. Uh, we haven't talked about the voting yet because last week it hit on Monday after we, after we recorded. Um, it's just so weird because you have the every team has to have an all-star rule. Um, If you just took the best 25 guys, it'd be a lot easier a lot of the time. But you have to try to pick out the guys who make it from teams that don't deserve (laughs) All-Stars. And that makes it all the more difficult. Um, Anyway, let's talk about the voting, though, for now, once we're past that. Um, Freddie Freeman's an absolute no-doubter. He's running away at first base. Ozzy Albies is leading at second base, um, albeit by a much smaller margin over Javier Baez. Uh, Dansby, Dansby was second last week. Uh, but by a lot, behind Brandon Crawford at shortstop. Uh, Kurt Suzuki in third at catcher, which is funny because he doesn't really start most of the time. Uh, Johan Camargo at third at third base made me laugh heartily. And Nick Markakis in the number two spot in the outfield is a thing that's happening um, for uh, justified reasons because he's been really good, uh, although he has cooled off a little bit lately. But uh, yeah, lot, lots of Braves on this list. Let's just put it that way. Uh, you know, aside from Freeman, who's an absolute no-brainer, probably the the NL MVP right now. Anything else strike your fancy on this list of things to discuss?
1: Uh, I just want to say that I am so happy that Braves fans are the the fan base that everyone hates this All All Star Game all season. That it's like stuffing the ballot box because there are people who do not deserve All Star berths that are getting a lot of votes, and that's just because the team's doing really well and the fan base is rewarding that. <laughs> Um, it's crazy to me what how how that's going. I mean, Freddie Freeman is a very deserving like deserves to be the NL vote vote getter d- d- given his performance this year. But I mean, that's kind of a general problem with the whole All Star process because you know giving the fans as much power is a little bit silly. But you know in past years it was the Cubs, the Royals, the Yankees, you know giants. Dodgers, yeah Giants that were just getting a bunch of guys in just because of a really engaged fan base uh, and not necessarily because of merit. Um, I think that the the guys who were seem to be locks were pretty close to it deserve it you know the you know Ozzy Albies has played really well at second base uh that's a position that you in terms of offensive production anyway um and just overall production I think that Ozzy I mean, has he
0: is a he's a plus plus defender at second base too yeah so.
1: he's really really good just in just in general and the, the, the competition there there's a lot of really flawed players at that position I think he deserves the spot uh Freddie's obviously where I talked about Markekis has played really really well uh i I am interested to see what happens when Ronald Acuna returns, because like when he returns, if he starts hitting like crazy, it's going to get people all excited about him again. Yeah, I mean and he
0: he shouldn't be an all star. No, year. no, um, just because he missed he missed a lot of time. But like, the voting can... is close enough where it, he could get there with some boost from Braves country. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I to will say, I, well, I will say that. Say this: the voting in most of it. Doesn't really bother me, but I do not, I do think that there's a lot of bad happening in the in the in the outfield. It has nothing to do with Marcakis. I mean, Lorenzo Cain is having a great year for the Brewers, and, he's 15th. and he has no and he has no chance. Of and
0: Neriarte is sixth, and with all due respect, what are we doing here? Yeah, uh, same I mean, with Cunha, who's missed a ton of time and is fifth. So yeah, I mean, I mean,
1: look, I would rather Braves fans be engaged and stuff the ballot box as opposed to all these guys not sure. getting the consideration they deserve. Yep. But, but it, it does highlight the problem I have with the fan voting part. It's just that it's not.
0: Yeah, I like it as a mix, which is what the NBA does. I think it's still too much probably, but the NBA has this like weird like triple thing where it's like fans, teams, and players all <laughs>
1: like some like some weird algorithm.
0: Yeah, but at least it's not pure fans, because fans often screw this up. In basketball it's a little bit easier because the stars are just so apparent. Like yeah. it's it's almost hard to screw it up a little bit to a certain extent. Usually there's and, probably a pretty pretty good success right there, but in baseball it's so it's weighted such towards fan bases the specific fan is that, like, when, if, like, thank God the Cubs are good. Because if they were bad, it, they would be stuck in the ballot box anyway. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> yeah, and then we'd have be, we'd have a pretty awful NL All Star team. But
0: yeah. I mean, there there was the one year it was like, was it six or seven Giants or six or seven, six or seven Royals? On
1: it? Uh, it was the Royals that they like they because was the wasn't their old the,
0: friend Omar Infante like that was yes like it, Omar awful? Infante
1: was the was the the most egregious of them. Yeah, but it's. Uh, I don't know it's a it's a it's a weird thing that, because I'm happy that it's happening because I'm kind of glad it's happening to the rest of the league as opposed to happening to our guys like Freddie Freeman being one of the best headers in the league and like like having to like getting in on like the last possible vote and all this other stuff. but
0: yeah he's he's a very deserving runaway at first, even with quality guys that are at first base around the league but and by the way, this is the voting, we're talking about voting from monday january I'm sorry january June 11th. The update is going to be new on Monday the 18th, so please keep that in mind. We're we're recording this on the Sunday the 17th before the new voting comes out, so it's going to change, I'm sure. Uh, I just think we are in a place where, I mean, who should be All-Stars right now? I mean, Freeman should be a lock. Albi should be there.
1: Mark should be there.
0: Mark should be there, although I'm not sure he should start, but he should be there at least um, based on his hot start, and he probably is going to start based on the voting lead that he has. Um, That's probably it. I mean the pitchers obviously. I think yeah, p- p- pitchers,
1: which is weird that like pitchers aren't aren't voted for, but position players. I mean, it's, whatever. I'm, 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 that that's a different tangent do you, altogether.
0: Do you think Newcomb should be in? Like, should be. I think faulty we have to agree should be in, but Newcomb yes, is. Yes, I I, I do think Newcomb I
1: do think Newcomb should be in. I think that like the numbers that he has are other than the walk rate. His numbers are really good. That they are softened and the walk by, rate basically. is
0: better than it's ever been.
1: Yep, and he's had two bad starts and he is on his way to being a very exciting young pitcher. I, th- and I think it would be good for just the game of baseball to have a guy like him in there. But that said, I mean, the starting pitcher, I mean, starting pitchers for the all-star game, you, there's always going to be deserving guys that miss out. You know what I mean? Like I can name a, a bunch of guys that are really, really good that were having really good years and some of those guys aren't going to make it in at all. You know what I mean? So it's it, the pitchers in general, because with the way they get picked is, you know, you'll, you'll pick some good starters, but then like, but then what do you do about relievers? Because you have to give those guys time, too. There's only nine innings in an all-star game, uh, except in the weird ones that go to extras. But, you know, you you want to give relievers love, too. So I I think he's an all-star pitcher, whether or not he gets in. I'm not going to be, like, completely outraged if he doesn't get in.
0: Yeah, it'll be close, uh, regardless. Now if,
1: there, now, if there is no brave starting pitcher in the all-star game, which, like, there are permutations if you kind of look through all the starters that are in the nation. Fulton's Nash- got to get in. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But at the but same yeah, time, that 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 would get certainly get me hot. But at the same time, uh, I think Fulty's more than deserving of the two. I think they're both all-stars.
0: Yeah, you only worry if Fulty has a bad start coming in the next week. Um, if he has a bad start, that might hurt him. But currently with a 2.16 ERA, he's, he's getting it, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Um, all right, two quick... Dark
1: Horse candidate, Anibal Sanchez. Oh, geez. Uh,
0: <laughs> two quick prospect-related mailbag questions, which means a lot of you on the podcast. Uh, first one comes from Daniel... When is the earliest we could, we could possibly see Tukey? And he asks, he, and he throws in. I would assume the start of next season. I will throw in as an addendum. People have been asking if we could see Tukey in the uh, in the weird hybrid high end prospect bullpen role later in the season. Is that a possibility for you?
1: Uh, I think it's a possibility. I think that would be
0: a waste in a lot of regards, but I. I call that the David Price, which is one of the first time. First time I remember somebody doing that was when he first came up with Tampa Bay and was like. Basically, they're closer.
1: Well, well, Chris, well, well Chris Sale, too. Adam Wainwright's another example. Sure. They, all, those are, all those are the guys that they did that with. I, I, I worry that he'd be so good in the closer role that they might not try to get him out of there. Um, and he, he has been so good for Mississippi because, I mean, if you look at the numbers, the numbers are obviously really good. I mean, striking out everybody and all that jazz. The thing is, like, you know, the walk rate, he's still walking, guys, but he's not missing like he used to. You know what I mean? Like, like he has, he's definitely has control of his stuff. It's just like he's not getting close calls. Maybe partially because of the like the reputation of him not having the best command, but also because double umpires aren't very good. There are plenty of times where I've seen him like get to a like a full count against a guy, and he throws like the pitch that I would have like wished that he would have thrown, and he just didn't get the call. You know what I mean? Like it. When he's making those kind of strides in his development where he has, like, his fastball, he changes his speeds on it really well, he's locating it. You know, the breaking ball is obviously still the breaking ball, but he also has, like, more of a – you know, it's kind of he, – he can either throw, like, a – one that just to get over for strikes to show them they has the breaking ball. And then he also has the, the crazy wipeout one that, you know, is, like, highlight reel where you're getting the chase out of the zone. He's just doing everything that you want him to do developmentally. He, uh, we have, we're very excited about him. Uh, he, we've had him kind of as like a fringe top ten guy for a while, just because of one, the depth of the system, and two, that like he, there's just a lot of things that hadn't come together for him. Uh, I expect that that's going to jump this the, when we do the prospect rankings at the All Star break, because we're all just super impressed by like kind of those steps he's been making. Uh, now, I, I think he could be end up if they really need a bullpen guy, he has a chance to be like a super high end one and that would be a, a somewhat easy solution in the short term. Uh, I don't know if that makes decisions in the long term any easy, any better, though, just because I think that he, you have to at least try him as a starter. It's the same thing I've always said about Fulty. I was never super high on Fulte as a starter because I just didn't think that he was going to ever kind of be able to kind of rein in some of the things that drove us crazy about him the last couple of years. But obviously he's proved me wrong, and I'm super happy about that uh and i always i always said that you have to at least let him pitch his way out of the role before you do that i i think that as a starter next season's when the earliest we'd see him but otherwise and probably
0: mid next season not not in april is that or am i wrong
1: uh probably um i think that he does end up getting i think he'll end up getting promoted to the triple a kind of one once that mid season minor league promotion spree happens yeah um and you know, from there we'll see. Because once you're at AAA, you're just down the road, and the Braves have shown if you're just down the road, they'll yeah, they'll bring you in. Yeah, they'll bring you in. I wish for Alcúneya. Yeah, I mean, and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to add Tukey to the the forty man for Rule Five considerations anyway. So you know, it's not as – that if he's gonna be on the forty man, you know, see what you got. Um, I I think September call ups not the craziest notion in the world at all.
0: Yeah, I think that, that would be in a bullpen role almost certainly. I can't imagine him starting this year. Um, right? Or am I wrong about that?
1: I mean, I think a lot of crazy things that have to happen to involve, like, McCarthy... Like and 1, being Like, 1%
0: and, chance of him starting a game this year?
1: Yeah, because you guys have to look at who's ahead of him, right? I mean... You still have you Allard, got, Allard, too, on top of yeah, everybody All, else. All, Allard has been great down in the AAA. He doesn't have the strikeout numbers that you necessarily want, but,
0: like... But they would certainly does, like, start kind of, Allard before Tukey in the majors this year. Yeah,
1: I mean, and, and Max Freed's on the 40-man roster. Sure. And at some point, you have to give him a chance to start. Uh, you know, Luis Gohara. Uh, who they're sending down yeah. to Grunet, presumably, to get more time. All those guys are ahead of Tukey
0: for this year, yeah. that's for sure.
1: Yeah, for this year, I think they're ahead of him. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I guess crazier things have happened, but I just don't think it's going to.
0: Yeah, that's actually a good bridge into the other mailbag question, which comes from Connor Brooks, and he asks, out of all the lefties in the system, uh, he and he names Luis Gohara, Kelby Allard, Max Freed, etc., who do you think has the best chance of being a good Major League starter? And he notes that Sean Newcomb is not included because he's in a different category.
1: Ooh, um, I, I think the best chance is Gohara, just because he's had success at the major league level, uh, and Fried and Allard have their own questions. That that's the short
0: answer. Anybody um, younger than that worth noting in this discussion? Like not maybe not younger, but further away, I should say.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean Kyle Muller's. You know, he's. I'm just he's another guy. Yeah, no, I mean, those are the three guys that I'd start with with any lefties conversation. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, and I don't think that – and I think O'Hara is at the top of the list. But at the same time, I don't think there's any minor league system that even comes close to the amount of left-handed talent the Braves have. <laughs> there's so many guys that you just go, this guy could be a major league starter. And it makes you wonder what's going to happen in 2020 because there's going to be so many young guys that are going to be major league ready. And I don't mean – obviously, trades are going to have to happen and you know crazy things happen in terms of injuries and all that. But it, it kind of once you kind of list out the guys, like these are all the pitchers. Who's not going to make it? And you don't necessarily can really bet against any of them just because you. They all do a lot of things really well, um, which is certainly a great problem to have. But at the same time, it kind of makes you wonder kind of how they deal with the logjam.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a tough question. That's why I pass it to you as the prospect uh, guru. Uh, but but sh-
1: sh- short answer is, I think Gohara. Um, I think I, I think that the. Questions about Allard in terms of his velocity and his durability and ability to hold up as a starter. I, I don't have those necessarily. I think that his upside is lower because you know he doesn't necessarily have that velocity to be kind of that really top end guy. But maybe his floor is higher because the guy knows how to pitch and he can command his pitches. Uh, Freed can has a little bit more variance because his floor is like he doesn't stay healthy and he yeah. can't actually pitch as a starter. Uh, the upside is he might have the best changeup in the system. He has a curveball that's in the conversation for the best curveball in the system. And he no, still it's
0: not. Tukey's curveball is so much better than Max Freed's. Come on, it's
1: in the conversation because it's he can, not in the he, conversation.
0: He, 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 he can consist.
1: <laughs> he can throw. He can throw his curveball consistently. When it's at his best curveball versus Tukey's best curveball is more likely to be thrown for a strike than Tukey's is.
0: Okay, that that's fair. I would say,
1: <laughs> he, like a good Max Freed curveball and a good. Te- to I mean. Two keys is obviously more fun to watch, and by the way, Carter Stewart's. I was about might to say, be better, Matt, I think might, Matt be, Powers might, on might be this podcast.
0: <laughs> Said that, yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, it's the Braves just have so, so many great pitchers. Like, there's so many different ones you can fall in love with. I wouldn't really have any problems with any one of them, but. It's um, Uh, Freed's ability to cur- command his for a curveball is really, really good, and his his velocity's been kind of up and down a little bit, but he still can throw hard, so. There's real upside with him. So I wouldn't have any problems with anybody banking on any one of those guys. There's reasons to in a lot of different ways. But ultimately, I think the, best, the one with the best shots is going to be Guohara. Uh And if for whatever reason starting doesn't really work out for him and the Braves decide to make him a bullpen piece, a guy that can throw 98, a lefty that can throw 98 with that slider in the bullpen, yeah, sign me up.
0: Yeah, I mean, he could be a monster in that role. I do think people sort of forget about Freed. Because he's been in that, you know, he's sort of been jerked around and has been in yeah, the bullpen. That, that, and that, I think he's a, he, he, he has better talent than people probably realize right now. Just because he's sort of fallen behind the other names and recognition and excitement level. But Freed and in most systems would be a very intriguing prospect. Um, like a
1: top three guy yeah. like in most systems, yeah.
0: So and I he, think he's uh, being slept on. I will say I would certainly have him third of these three. But that's, that's not a knock on yeah. Freed.
1: No, not at all, and it's not really fair to evaluate what's happened in the major leagues because like he's had to like, come up on like last like short notice more than once to be like oh by the way we need you to make a start in the majors right now. Um,
0: yeah, no, it's not because he fault happened at to be all. on the 40 man and and without without Gohara we we would probably be still still be arguing about the way they're treating Freed and have been for a while. So <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that, that,
1: like like we talked about earlier the, the management of that whole situation I'm not.
0: It's a mess. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Actually, let's just wrap it up because we've we've been talking for a long time. Eric, anything else you want to get out there? We've been talking for an hour plus as we always seem to do even when there's not that much to talk about. Um, (laughs) Please plug anything that you would like. I know uh, you guys are always busy in minor league land as well as major league land and of course you have like four jobs now so please plug anything you'd like to.
1: Yeah, very, very busy. Um, So we're beginning the early process of putting together the top 30 prospect rankings which will come out during the All-Star break. Uh, This one is... Interesting because there's a lot of names that we're used to seeing uh, may or may not be on the list. It kind of depends on when they lose eligibility. And we are also kind of famously, we don't necessarily look at those if we decide that if a guy's in the majors and is going to be staying there, maybe we don't put him on the list, uh, even if you know the bats are the number of innings. So we're still working that stuff out, but that'll be out during the All-Star break. Um, we also have short season ball starting up soon so danville and gcl will be starting up so those will start appearing in recaps and i know matt powers is going to be working on roster previews as soon as we find out what the rosters for those teams are those will be out um let's see what else we got going on uh so once all that happens we'll also get some ideas as to kind of what's going on with the, the new the recent draftees uh on the major league side, in terms of Talking Chop, make sure you go into to TalkingChop.com because there's like consistently every day something – someone's writing something interesting uh, in terms of what's going on with this team. And with so many good things happening with the team, we've had a lot to talk about. Uh, as for me over on the other site that I work right for, I'm the site manager of uh, MLB Daily Dish now for those who didn't know. Uh, and starting next week, we're going to be doing trade deadline previews where we're going through each team in the major leagues – and highlighting whether we think with they're gonna be buyers and sellers and who they should be targeting and who the, or and or who who they should be selling off uh so that's gonna be a very busy you know leading up until the end of july when the with the deadline beyond that I mean it's just kind of you know make sure you're following the following brad uh he likes to talk about how much he wants to trade Ozzy Albies with some basketball and occasionally some baseball stuff on we'll his do twitter. That. Uh, (laughs) Um, or you can follow myself at leprechaun with a k on twitter Uh, i tweet about baseball and occasionally i'm poking fun and making fun of people who are saying dumb things on the internet beyond that i mean that's kind of what i've got going on i don't sleep very much uh brad is brad is still better busier than i am but i'm i'm trying my best to catch up
0: whatever man everybody follow eric eric's the best (laughs) and uh i appreciate you billing me out on this fine sunday evening um yeah, looking ahead, pretty slow week on paper with only five games, but I'm sure something will happen and Ronald Acuna will come back or something crazy and we'll plan to talk about next week. I have, a, I have a guest tentatively lined up for next week that is not our normal guest. Ooh, um ooh. not Eric, not Scott. So anybody, anybody except for Eric and Scott is not a normal guest. Essentially,
1: please send all of your guesses as to who the guest is going to be to at bt Roland yeah, It is
0: not Ozzy Albies. It is not Freddie Freeman. Although I would like to get Freddie Freeman on the podcast, it'd be fun. He won't do it, but I would like that quite a bit. Um, <laughs> it's no one. It's no one like that. But uh, somebody, somebody special. Anyway, uh, and there there is one week in July when there will not be a podcast, which I think I said before on the pod, but I have some travel to wade through around the All Star break or somewhere in that range. So, anyway, well, thank thank you, Eric, for joining me as always.
1: No problem, man. Thank you.
0: As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you like to listen to the podcast, as well as at talkingchop.com. And we'll see you guys next week.